When I did my MBA, we learned that businesses had the best opportunities when they were filling a gap in the marketplace. But today's guest believes in the power of business primarily as a force for good. And she says that the MBA way is not the only way. And I actually agree with her. A diversity of business models is important. And she goes so far as to call her own style a little bit foolish. Welcome to Work Better, a Steelcase podcast where we think about work and ways to make it better. I'm your host, Chris Congdon, and I'm with our producer, Rebecca Charbowski. Hi, Chris. Hey, can you tell us about our guest today, Rebecca, and how we met her? I would love to. We got connected to Poonam Birkat Suri through our colleagues in India, which I'm so grateful for. Poonam started an organization that designs, makes, and distributes beautiful home composting products. And she called her company The Daily Dump because the purpose is to reduce food waste every day. And that really surprised me when she told us about what a big issue food waste is, because I'm normally thinking, like a lot of people, about plastics and other sorts of things that we want to get into the recycling stream. So I found that conversation really interesting. And I think you're not the only one who was surprised, because that's part of her story, which is about having to convince other people how important this is to make a part of their daily lives. And she's done a really good job. She has a lot of accolades to show for it. She was a TED Fellow at TED India. Mm -hmm. She received the Social Entrepreneur of the Year Award from the Schwab Foundation of the World Economic Forum and a Smart Cities India Award. And she's just fun. (laughs) She's fun, and she's got a lot of wisdom to share, too. Her outlook on business just really opens up a new way to think about work and the role that our organizations can play in terms of doing more for the well-being of people and the planet, right? Absolutely. Before we get started, I wanted to ask the audience, if you like this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you would rate it and review it because that helps other people find it. Poonam joined us from Bangalore, India. Thank you so much for joining us today, Poonam. Thank you, Chris, for having me. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I am too, because I have never heard of a company like yours, honestly. The The Daily Dump is a mm-hmm. design-led composting company, and, and you create these beautiful composting containers. And I, I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the beginning of Daily Dump and you know, what was the journey that led you to start your company? Uh, so I, I was trained as an industrial designer from one of the premier institutions in India, a design school. And uh, we were having conversations, you know, when you're young and uh, on the college campus, you have all these idealistic ideas of changing the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were trying to formulate our ideas of what design could mean to each of us. And in that journey, after I finished school, I was always trying to answer that question for myself, saying, how can design intersect with the real world? It cannot be only form giving. It cannot be only colors. It cannot be only um, superficial decoration. Uh, and in that uh, quest, that internal inquiry and my exposure to you know small-scale industry, crafts, and batch production in India, um, and the culture, very rich culture that I come from, 
you know, lots of things came together and I was teaching also sustainability. Mm. So in my mind, when I taught during those years when I was teaching, I learned a lot. And uh, somehow those ideas kind of distilled themselves and um, coalesced. And there was uh, one project I was doing um, on waste when I suddenly realized that all that I taught, all that I thought about, I could see a clear vision of uh, a need that uh, needed to be addressed, but there was no demand. And uh, I said, no, this I would like to work on. And that's how I started doing the prototype uh, for the first home composter for the country, uh, made by craftspeople, not made in a factory. So that's how I started. So I have a business degree, not a design degree. And I always learned that you were supposed to start a business based on demand. Demand, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no businessman actually or no MBA college should actually write a case study on Daily Dump because this is absolutely anti-business. It's anti-MBA. Whatever you're taught in MBA, we didn't do any of it. And uh, so that's why I keep telling uh, people, I said, you need uh, MBA graduates because they will create businesses, but you also need idiots like us uh, because uh, you need foolish people who will go out there and hammer away saying, oh, we need this, we need this. And people say, no, 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 we of course don't need this. And you still say, no, no, we need it, we need it, and we need it. And then maybe after 20 years, they realize, oh, yeah, actually, we do need it. So let's talk a little bit about the need because I was really interested that you focused on food waste. Uh, there's so many different forms of waste that we have to deal with with our planet, but you focused on food waste and composting um, versus plastics or electronics. And mm-hmm. so I'm just curious, what made you go in that direction? So two things. I started uh, 18 years ago when plastic was still not such a big problem in India. Now it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, food waste still continues to be 60% of our uh, waste streams. And uh, as it is, I was taking on a large problem of creating demand. So within that large problem, I thought, okay, at least let me have some low-hanging fruit. The food waste can become circular much more easily than plastic can become circular. Mm -hmm. Post-consumer plastic to even actually collect, right, in India, the amount of dispersal there is in post-consumer plastic, it's, it's a huge challenge. Yeah. So, uh, so many reasons why I started with food waste. Also, food waste is something that you can actually watch the process of circularity. So it, it becomes a great conversation starter for citizens to say, oh, this is what circularity means. This is what closing the loop means. Mm-hmm. This is what being connected to the earth means. They can see it tangibly in their homes. So that's why I started with food waste. And uh, food waste is... Uh, um, it, 70% water. We shouldn't be paying taxpayers' money trucking water to a landfill yeah. and creating methane. Yeah, It's just so stupid. When I hear you talk about it, I go, of course, that's ridiculous. Why mm-hmm. Why do we do that? Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about composting, okay. but I, let's talk just about the impact of daily dump in India. Like, mm-hmm. what, what is your overall impact in terms of what you're trying to achieve? I think Daily Dump is a brand because we are not a business brand. Uh, We didn't start as a business brand. We continue not to be a business-led brand in that sense. Uh, We have created what I would call the 
we open the conversation, we've created the pathways, we've created the movement, mm -hmm. and we've created the legitimacy of the idea of decentralized waste management. We have been at the forefront of that. And because we took the risk and because we opened up those conversations and those doors, we now find people are following on that. And now it's become a norm where, there, where it was not. So that's our contribution. That's the impact we've created. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Yeah. And in addition, of course, our products are constantly copied and, you know, we see versions of them all over. And the interesting thing is even our competition acknowledges that. So t can you tell me a little bit more about that? So whenever we go to conferences or meetings and all, no, they'll all come to me. Uh, you know, that one is very good. I took a little bit of ideas from that. It's okay, no? I said, yeah, yeah it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> 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 so you, you'll see all our communication material being used across. We'll see them in government places. And, you know, I sometimes talk about this, and it. I think I should make a point here, saying that, when you make it radically transparent and you put everything out there on the web for people to use and you don't have too much of this, you know, don't use it, it's mine, it, you cannot use it, it should not be allowed, then people own it and then they spread it. And in a country like ours, we need that. Otherwise, how is it going to become a movement if mm -hmm. it's owned by somebody enclosed? Uh, and so those are the reasons why actually I started this way. Of course, it doesn't make money. Of course, it's foolish. Of course, we have to work 100% harder. Of course, we can't pay more our salaries. We can't have teams that have competitive salaries. Of course, of course, of course. But that is the reason why we're doing this. And I, I feel that there have to be enough businesses like this also in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's very different when you talk about your business being about starting a movement versus return on investment to the shareholders and yeah. all the things that I learned in business school. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about something also unusual that you've done, which is to to tap into the heritage of potters in India because your your composters are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. what made you decide to go that route versus just something really functional? Uh, again, because it was, you know, um, because we were we were trying to say that this is a good thing to do. But India, even then, even now, people say, waste is not my job. I'm educated. I should be working in IT. I should be working in front of a computer. Somebody else should handle my waste. So dignity of labor is a big issue in India. And I come from a family where we can clean our toilets. There's nothing wrong with doing your own work. So I felt if you, if you have to build a product that is just another functional dustbin. It looks like a dustbin. You're just replacing your dustbin in your mind. We don't want that. We wanted it to become a new kind of space. We want to create a new space in your mind that says, this is regeneration. This is like new energy. This is a new space. And so mm -hmm. we had to give it a form and a material that was uh, linked to some deep archetype in India. And clay is very, um, a, there is a certain resonance that India has with clay mm -hmm. and uh, with uh, pottery. And so we chose pottery we, because also it is batch production. We could do fast prototyping. We had potters all over the country. And my hope was that it would become like it was an open source uh, idea. I, I hope that all the potters would start um, making it themselves and selling it. What has happened, unfortunately, is potter skills have dropped. Oh, 
supply chains have dropped, skill sets have completely disappeared. And uh, the aspirations of following the West have become so high that people don't want to work with their hands anymore. Mm. And uh, so we still continue to work with one set of potters, and, uh, but it's hard now to get skills. Whereas Cambodia and Vietnam and uh, Malaysia still has. But I think across the world, the hand pottery, the large pots, that skill we've lost across the world. You know, and I think that that's so unique in the, in the beauty of it, um, because, you know, when I think about composting, I usually think about another chore, another job that I need to add uh, to my life. And, yeah, yeah. and um, I would like to ask you a little bit about that, because composting really is a, a new behavior in many countries. Yes. In the U.S., one estimate is that 72% of people don't compost. It's something that you think about for gardeners, but normal people don't compost their food waste. And I know that I've been a little inconsistent about it, even myself, because even though I I have plenty of space, I live in an environment where I actually do have a garden, um, so I can understand how to use my compost. But what are some of the things that your business has needed to try and do to have composting become a regular part of people's lives in India? We had to design products that would work in flats, in high-rise apartments where you don't have space, you don't have gardens. You could put in a balcony. We also had to do a lot of work in the education of uh, the fact that uh, to, to answer this question, it's a chore, why would I add it? It's more work, I have a busy life. Actually, this mm-hmm. is the government's job. Uh, why am I paying more money to do something that actually gives me nothing? So we had to address all of these. So we have a, um, you know, we have a convince me section on our website. So we have like 12 standard questions or, you know, responses to typical things that people will say, this is not why I should do this. And then we would make skits around it. We would talk about it. We'd make little films on it. And we would keep reiterating that message from every forum and, uh, our early adopters became our movement crusaders. Mm. So they would take the message, not us. Okay. And that's how it grew. And that's why it's taken 18 years. And behavior change, like you rightly put it, is one of the hardest things to do. And especially in yeah. a country like India, we were so traditional. Our culture is traditional. And to make the shift is hard. But like I said, I mean, I factored in 25 years when I started. I said, this nothing is going, the needle is not going to move at all for 25 years. So I have to sit in for the long haul. And uh, so so you find me for 18 years down still sitting here. Well, I'm just so amazed that you have had the perseverance just to continue to keep trying to make this movement happen. Doggedness, I think. <laughs> Doggedness. <laughs> you know, I think that's a good lesson for all of us who are trying to affect a change in the world. Mm. It's not easy and, you know, you just need to continue to approach it doggedly uh, to be able to make actually things happen. Yeah, <laughs> Just in talking about the daily dump, though, you know, we've already talked about the fact that this is a business. One might think that it's a not-for-profit kind of organization that's trying to start a movement and do good things in the world. Mm-hmm. But, but you started it specifically as a business, and that was an intentional mm-hmm. decision. Can you talk about 
why you decided to go that path? So let me ask the question slightly differently. Who decided for us that business should not do good? Which management school decided that? Nobody did, right? Right. I don't think there's anybody anywhere out there who's written a book said business is not supposed to do good. <laughs> okay, then business is supposed to do harm. Nobody wrote that book also. Right. So why is it that uh, everybody is talking about shareholders? When did that story change? Mm-hmm. Who let it change? When did we slip into it? So if we continuously slip into things without thinking for ourselves, then we are confused, right? Right. Nobody told us business is not to be good. I feel business's job is to do good. Yes. Because it's the only interaction where the the transaction is equal. You have somebody something to sell, somebody to buy, equal. So why is it why why is bad coming into it all? That's greed. Mm-hmm. So if we have to we have to be clear. I feel greed is greed. Whether you're poor or rich, if you're greedy, you're greedy. And not to be able to separate it as we're growing up these ideas, it confuses us. And I think we we become very confused. So I, in my mind, it's very clear. Business is supposed to do good, what was always supposed to do good. And uh, I don't know when that conversation has changed. In which book? So I, I don't subscribe to that view. So... I'm so inspired by everything you're saying right now because, I mean, I certainly didn't go to business school thinking, hey, I'm going to go out and be a bad person today and I'm going to ru- ruin the environment and ruin people's lives. Yeah. I mean, Correct. that's not the motivation that anybody wakes up with in the morning. Um, but yet it does feel like sometimes there's a tension between the motivations of, you know, returning a profit to the shareholder and doing good in the world. So I I love the way that you're thinking about it, though, that that really is your imperative, is to do something that's of value to people and to the world, um, and to weigh that more equally, perhaps. You know, maybe it's a balance issue. But I think think the, the point is that when you try and do what we are trying to do, right, and we're trying to make, I mean, it is a business, we have to pay salaries, we have to make ends meet, Uh, We have to take loans. We have to pay back interest. Um, We are not able to pay salaries that the Wall Street guys are able to pay. Mm -hmm. We don't have those margins. Right. And I think somebody somewhere has figured out the margins are what they want more of. Now, why they want more of it? Why do they want hold more margins? Again, that's greed. And In a country like ours, when we have so many people and all of them need some basic livelihood, if we all start holding margins, you will have what all Oxfam reports say, you know, 1% of the population of the world has most of the wealth. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, then you, why are you surprised? Then you, (laughs) if we, if you, everybody subscribes that everybody goes and everybody doesn't do anything foolish. Uh, then you will have that and then you can't complain and then you live by it. Or you do this hard fight that we are doing. We don't pay enough salaries. We, In a sense, like uh, 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 we do with less. We are more frugal. Uh, but it's not a, it's not a virtue. Mm. It is just we, we can't afford anything more. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the thing that people don't want to uh, 
uh, have, which is fair enough. I mean, when you see the world having lots more, you also want to have. I understand that. But uh, that conundrum, I don't know how to solve because I'm not trained in business or I'm not trained in economic theory. Well, I think you also have an insight and a wisdom that perhaps uh, a lot of those 1% businesses could learn from. I want to ask you a different question. Mm -hmm. I know you have a design background, but you've also worked in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious what it was like for you as a woman in manufacturing in India, because at least in our our manufacturing facility, what we learned, uh, and I was surprised, is that women aren't participating in the sector of manufacturing to a really high degree. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just curious, what was your background like? So I was in, uh, trained as an industrial designer. So we had to make, work on machines even in college. Mm-hmm. And my dad had a small scale industry, which had uh, we were making machine tools. And my dad was a very progressive father at that time, even for India. So he was like, and we were lived off the shop floor, all three of us siblings. We would go every summer holidays and do filing and lathe work. And mm-hmm. uh, so for us, it was not something new. Uh, it was like the norm for us. But yes, uh, at, even at that time, women on a shop floor was a uh, strange thing. Uh, and especially women in a shop floor in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. I, I mean, I think I I really learned a lot working with workers with the machine oil and, uh, <laughs> you know, grease and mm-hmm. fasteners. And, um, it's, uh, and we, because it's a small-scale industry, it's got a different flavor in India. It's almost like, uh, you know, partly we're tribal and partly we're uh, new age. So interesting. It's not like, uh, you know, the high-tech uh, factories that you guys have. Yeah. How is the work that you're doing now impacting the lives of women, even within your organization or, you know, as the movement kind of takes hold? Do you see it affecting a change? I think composting the movement across the country is led by women. Why is that? Absolutely. I mean, the women are driving this up. I don't know. I think women have more wisdom. Women can think for 15 years. They have babies. They know that the short term is stupid. I don't know. It's the inherent wisdom of women. Well, I tell my husband all the time <laughs> that I have more wisdom, but I'm I'm not sure that he believes me. But... but so, Poonam, as we draw to a close, are there any final thoughts that you would like to share? We have listeners around the world. Any last thoughts or ideas or pieces of wisdom? I think diversity in business models is an absolutely important thing to have. Hmm. Uh, you can't have only one definition of business. And uh, all kinds of businesses are important and all kinds of foolishness is very important. I think in today's world, more foolishness is is needed. I love that. In today's world, more foolishness is needed in business. Mm-hmm. That's a great, great mm-hmm. thought. Everybody takes themselves so seriously, man. You know, you look at the picture of a, of a business boardroom, right? Oh my God, everything is so stuffy, <laughs> and it's like, what? Yes, I know. <laughs> who who started the rule that you had mm-hmm. to wear a suit and a tie, or the, all of those kinds of things? Exactly. <laughs> I have a final question for you that we're asking everybody who is a guest this season on Work Better. And we're wondering about a story about you or about someone you know 
uh, somebody mm-hmm. you've worked with that's made a positive impact on people or the planet. Can you tell us a story about that? I get inspired by lots of people in India who are ordinary, foolish people who are doing work in their local regions. Like I know of a, a guy who has actually cleaned up a huge length of river in Punjab. Oh. And another man in uh, Rajasthan who taught an entire set of villages how to do water harvesting and got uh, water back into those villages. I mean, work like that just touches me very deeply. And because it's like working with nature, uh, working to see the wisdom and harnessing it, understanding it, being respect for it, and then making sure that the skills are passed on to the next generation. I think that's so important for us. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing those stories. I think we could talk for a really long time about these, but... I just want to express to you how grateful I am that you joined us today on Work Better. On my behalf and behalf of our listeners, I think we're really excited and supportive of the work that you're doing and just really in awe. So I'm grateful for your time with us today. Thank you, Chris, for your time. I'm grateful for this opportunity to take the Daily Dumb story. Um, And if anybody has not done composting, I would urge them to try. All right. And I will recommit to composting because I have a garden that could actually use it. So thank you very much. Steelcase is dedicated to creating products that help you reach your sustainability goals. Now it's easier than ever to make choices that are better for the planet. To explore solutions that help reduce your environmental impact, visit steelcase.com slash WB Sustainability. Thank you for being here with us today. Rebecca, can you tell everyone about our guest next week? Next week, Sherry Hickok joins us. Sherry is CEO of Climate Impact Partners. And whenever you buy something or see something advertised as carbon neutral, They're one of those organizations behind the scenes figuring out how to make it carbon neutral. Right. And we asked her a lot of questions that a lot of people are asking, like, Mm -hmm. does this work really make a difference? And she was able to explain things in a way that was super helpful. And I learned a lot listening to her. I learned a lot, too. So we hope you join us for that. And if you enjoyed the conversation today, would you share this podcast with a friend or colleague and Visit us at steelcase.com slash research to sign up for weekly updates on workplace research, insights, and design ideas, all delivered right to your inbox. So thanks again for being here, and we hope your day at work tomorrow is just a little bit better. Many thanks to everyone who helps make Work Better podcasts possible. Creative Art Direction is by Aaron Ellison. Editing and Sound Mixing by Soundpost Studios. Technical support by Mark Caswell and Jose Jimenez, and digital publishing by Aureli Ariano and Jordan Marks.